Moving Iron Podcast is proud to be part of the Global Ag Network. The network is live, so check out globalagnetwork.com for more details and updates. Now on to the show. Moving Iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving Iron time and time again. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast, Tax News with Glenn Birnbaum. Glenn, how are you doing today? Hey, good, Casey. It's a bright sunny day here, so. That's that's a few and far between here of late, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, we'll take it, so. <laughs> you guys are getting, uh, you're probably on that, like everybody else, you get the three days of rain and then you get, or three days of no rain and you get about six days of rain, so it's a. Uh, it's a yeah. special, sounds like. There you go. All right, man. Well, I was going through uh, my Twitter feed the other day, and it sounds like uh, the uh, Section 199A grain glitch has kind of got some closure to it. Yeah, they finally um, released the proposed regulations and you know, the proposed rules that provide a little more clarification on what the actual statute or the, you know, the bill that was signed into law in March of 2018. So here it's June of 2019. We finally have what's called the proposed regulations. There's a comment period and then, you know, presumably they'll try to issue final, final regulations after feedback is received. So we've been waiting on this for quite a while. Um, that's, you know, there's really two kind of parts to it. There's a lot of the rules that deal with, you know, the cooperative grain elevators primarily, you know, um, you know, how do you deal with, uh, the one ninety nine a in that context, that's that's a lot of the regs. It was I think about one hundred and fifty six pages. Um, but then there's a section in there that's specific more to the patrons or you know the farmers that sell grain to a co op. So I'm um, going to talk mostly just about you know the patron side today. Um, really, not much new. Um, they didn't. They had a few examples about how to compute this, you know, if you sell some of your grain to a co-op and some of your grain to a non-co-op, right? Um, those examples seemed pretty reasonable. You know, I think it's what most people are already doing. There's different ways you compute it, you know, different percentages and things, um, but just not a lot of new information. They didn't, they didn't really get into um, how to handle equipment gains. So if you, you know, if you trade off equipment now, that's treated as a gain on sale, or if you just sell your equipment, that's a gain on sale and and how do you have to does it does it matter whether you sell to a co-op or not on your equipment sales is the question so basically casey they didn't they didn't really give us much information but they are at least you know now it's a more formal process to ask for feedback um and we'll you know hopefully be able to get get a little more clarity on things. Um, that, a couple things, though, they did kind of reconfirm. I think most people understood this, but, you know, it was kind of good to see it in lights again. You know, they did mention that the what's called the deduction reduction um, or the patron reduction where, generally speaking, you get 20% of your net profit. You know, that's this deduction that you get. Well, if you sell to a co-op, you might only get 11%. Um, you go from 20% down to 11 we call it here at the office the deduction reduction. There's there's a lot of complexities with how to compute it, but they did say you know you have to do this computation in certain circumstances, dis- despite whether the cooperative grain elevator has actually passed out any deduction to you. 
Um, there was maybe some people saying, well, does it matter? Maybe if the grain elevator doesn't give me anything extra, then I don't have to reduce my deduction. Well, no, it doesn't matter. Either way, you, you have to deal with this deduction reduction. The other thing was the was what we called the transition rule, which was is really just applicable for 2018. They kind of, again, just kind of restated, you know, hey, this you've got to deal with this transition rule. Um, you know, there's no way out of it that first year. So you might remember this, Casey, that if you sold grain to a co-op that has a fiscal year end, let's say they have a March year end or something, then any grain sales from January through March, uh, basically you're kind of out of luck on this 20% deduction because it's it's like it was under the old rules before because that co-op grain elevator, if they had a year end of March 31st, 2018, their year actually started in 2017, their tax year, so that cooperative grain elevators kind of tax rules were based on the 2017 year, not the 2018 year. So really um, it probably explains maybe why they delayed releasing it so long because there wasn't really anything earth shattering in there. Um, But again, we do expect to, you know, there'll be CPA firms, you know, providing some commentary and maybe we'll get a few more things clarified when the final, final rules come out. Yeah. Well, at least you got some clarification now, <clears throat> you know, which way to move. Yeah. From, you know, you know, what yeah, at least we know what's going on. Um, another rule that, or another, some regulations that came out, uh, these are actually the final regulations on um, the state and local income tax. Um, you might remember this case the state and local income tax is now capped, you know, ceiling of $10,000. It was kind of a pretty big deal, you know, for some of the high tax states. including Illinois here. So what some states were starting to do is say, well, if, how about we do it this way? So if, you know, I'm limited to $10,000, but if I, if I make a donation to the state or some sort of, you know, quasi state organization, right? So I make it a charitable contribution to the state then the state turns around and gives me a tax credit, right? For possibly up to a hundred percent of what I just paid, that would be a way to effectively recharacterize my, my deduction from a state and local income tax deduction, you know, say a state income tax deduction, which is capped at $10,000, but I effectively re- kind of recharacterize it to a charitable donation, which generally doesn't have a cap. Um, and so these states were trying to, you know, get around these rules. So basically these final regulations came out that kind of confirmed what the proposed regulation said that basically you can't do this. Um, if you do it, they'll kind of, recharacterize it back there is like a 15 percent rule that we don't really have time to get into but but just you know the irs is basically responding to workarounds from the states and you know they're trying to patch patch the loopholes i guess casey so that just came out in the last week or so so that's something to be retroactive if they figure it out um yeah it, it yeah it's it's potential that some 2018 returns might have to be amended i'm not really sure um how they're going to do that because the proposed regulations were out um, last year. So, um, yep. Yeah. Okay. For Illinois, the state, you know, I'm at, they, they didn't have any of those programs. So we're, we're not as, we didn't have to deal with it luckily on our end. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Um, what else ahead. is out there right now, man? I mean, it seems like there was some, some other things that kind of popped up and, and maybe you were. Yeah. There's been, um, the, uh, well, there's like an IRS, um, I think it's called the Taxpayer First Act. It's got a nice 
about time. Uh, flashy name, Taxpayer First Act, but it's some people are calling a modernization of the IRS. Yeah. I'm trying to, you know, just maybe with e-file and just different things to make it a, a better IRS. So that, that, um, that got signed here in the last week or so. And then uh, just yesterday, the, this is maybe just a hint at what might be coming. You know, the Democrats now, obviously they control the house. And so they control the ways and means committee, which is a committee that basically, you know, is in charge of the tax tax rules. Yeah. So that passed, they passed a bill you know, just out of committee. So it's got a long way to go. Uh, but just to give, kind of give a flavor, it's looking to, um, change some things like with the child tax credits, uh, earned income tax credit. Um, I think in particular to make like the child tax credit fully refundable. Um, so doing a few things like that. Um, but, and then along with that, um, passing what's called the extenders bill. Um, cause there's certain tax, um, deductions and credits that, um, basically every year, every two years they fall off and then, you know, somebody has got to pass it for the next year. And, Basically, those did not actually happen for the 2018 year. So um, some certain like energy tax credits, like if you put in new window blinds or something, there's like a $500 credit. Well, that was not is not available for 2018. Um, everyone kind of thought it would get passed, but it never did. So that's one of these extenders. Um, so all that was kind of baked into this one bill that passed committee. But the question is, how are they going to pay for it? You know, what's the offset? And some of the things they're talking about is actually changing the estates, lowering the estate tax exemption um, back down in like 2022, I believe. It's set to go back down in 2025. If you remember, it was going to go up to like a, you know, pretty much it's like $11 million. It doubled. And so they would take it down from instead of 2025, it go back down. It goes to 2022. So other thoughts are like, well, maybe we raise the corporate income tax rate up a little bit. So there's, you know, just when you think there's going to be a little you know, call me of the waters. Uh, there's still a lot of potential for, you know, laws to change, obviously with, you know, president being a Republican house being Democrats and the, and the Senate being Republican too may not happen, but, um, you know, elections not that far away. So we'll see what happens, but, um, just, um, a lot of, a lot of activity really for, for this time of year. Yeah. Well, good stuff as usual, Glenn. If, if folks wanted to reach out to you and ask you some questions or, or pick your brain on some of these uh, new uh, regulations that are final now, how would they do that? Yeah, it's best to call our office here at Heinel Band. We're at the phone number 309-694-4251. Or you can always uh, seek me out on Twitter at Glenn Birnbaum is my handle. And check out his Twitter feed, folks. He's got a, a lot of good, all the accounts get together start banging on each other whenever they want to then post something out there. So it's always a little, <laughs> That's right. little, uh, little back and forth there. So it's good, good stuff there. So Glenn, yep. thanks for being on man. And we'll uh, talk again next week. All right, Casey. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast, now part of the Global Ag Network. If you'd like to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. You can also send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com. You can also visit the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel and watch Market Roundup with Chip Nellinger, Sean Hackett, and Angie Setzer. Also, Tax News with Glenn Birnbaum. 
please visit movingironllc.com. Here you can find information, details, and updates for the 2019 Moving Iron Summit in Nashville, Tennessee. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can leave a review and subscribe at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, and globalagnetwork.com. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour. Out. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving iron.